What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Big Show Podcast. I am Alex Day, your host and guide for all things Big Ten football. Now, normally, I'm one of three. Tonight, I have been left alone. I have been stranded by my two co-hosts, Corey and Ethan, who, well, they decided not to show tonight. But even though they're not here, the show must go on. College football doesn't stop. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you are here, please don't forget to give us a rating, leave a review wherever you're listening. Hit the subscribe or follow button on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're getting us. And then follow us on the socials too. Instagram at Big Show Pod, Twitter at Big Show Pod. So at this point, you might be wondering, what am I even here to talk about? Right, It's been a little bit since we put out an episode, and, and why now? Well, if you've been living in a cave, you might not know that spring football is here, which means that spring games are here, and we've officially had the first Big Ten spring football game happen, and it was for the defending Big Ten champs. Michigan already had their spring game, April Fool's, April Fool's Day was uh, was what they chose. And I think they might have chose that strategically because they might be trying to make some fools out of people this upcoming season. Uh, so we're going to talk about the Michigan spring game. But we're also, uh, this was literally just posted a couple of hours before I hopped on here. 24-7 Sports has posted a college football helmet ranking. And I got to say, there are some absurd takes on this list. I mean, it is horrible. I do officially consider myself a uniform and helmet connoisseur um, of pro and college football. I love jer- the Jersey game is so freaking awesome, man. I love talking jerseys. I love when teams release new jerseys and new helmets and new combos and being like, yeah, that freaking sucks. Yeah, that one's awesome. It It is an art to make a great football jersey. And, but, but these helmets – Helmets specifically are an art too, man. It is an art. And I think 24-7 has a lot of stuff wrong. But I'll get into that as we go. So two topics today. Let's get into the first one with Michigan spring game. And spring games, there aren't a, there aren't a whole lot of like big storylines to talk about, especially with a team like Michigan. You've got a majority of your production returning uh, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. On offense, you've got your two-headed monster in the backfield, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. you got J.J. leading the pack at quarterback. A few guys from the offensive line have left, but shouldn't be a big deal. They shouldn't take a very large step back, if any at all. Um, defensive line, there's some new faces. So, But all of that to say, with a team like Michigan, you're not looking to come out of spring with a ton of big headlines. There's not a QB competition uh, you're not looking for this, you know, big, flashy five-star freshman to pop during spring to see if he can he can contribute right away. With a team like Michigan, what you're looking for is do you have depth, and were you able to answer some of the questions from this last off season? Okay, so some positions that they needed depth at, and some questions they needed to answer. Uh, some of those were the offensive line with a couple of guys leaving, right, for the draft. 
we didn't really get an answer to that in the spring game, although we expect them to be just as elite. They should be easily a top five offensive line in the country and should compete with Penn State for the best offensive line in the conference. I think Michigan will edge them out, but Penn State's going to be really good. We didn't get a whole lot of answers at offensive line. I thought the big answer was on the defensive line, specifically the edge rusher position. Guys, okay, you think about Michigan. Two years ago, they had Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo, both left for the draft. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson got invited to the Heisman ceremony. Like, the dude was a monster. He was a one-man show on defense, and he was a backfield wrecker. Then last year, you didn't know who was going to pop, who was going to be that guy and fill those shoes. And Mike Morris really stepped up. He didn't fill the entirety of what Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo left behind, but he did a great job stepping up into that gap so there wasn't as big of a drop-off as people thought there was going to be. But now Mike Morris is gone. And you also had Yabioki, who, yes, that was a real name that I just said, Yabioki, who came in as a transfer last year, got some significant playing time, and then transferred out of the program. So you had two guys who had a lot of playing time on the edge leave, either by transfer or the draft. So who was going to step up? So one guy who everyone around the Michigan program expects to have a huge year is Braden McGregor. If you watched the Ohio State game close enough last year, the dude made some critical plays, critical plays from the edge position, some deflected passes, tackles for loss. He looks like Aiden Hutchinson. He's got the feel of an Aiden Hutchinson. He's a very big athlete. He just hasn't gotten that time to shine. And I think this year is going to be the year for him. A lot of people do. So we'll see what he can do. They also had a transfer, Josiah Stewart, I believe from Coastal Carolina is where he came from, who really flashed in this game. You also had uh, Moore, another edge player, that really flashed in this game. I think the important part was that even though you probably didn't see one player step into the spotlight on the defensive line from the edge spot, you saw a lot of guys that can that can fill in and take snaps. They're going to be able to rotate these guys around, and they're going to be able to be versatile depending on the down and distance and, and what they're trying to do. Are they trying to be aggressive and get after the passer? Or are they trying to contain somebody? Are they trying to fill the run? They got a couple of nice defensive tackles, Mason Graham, uh, the – the first name that comes to mind. But they really showed that they have more depth on the defensive line than what I think a lot of people were probably expecting coming into to, uh, to this offseason and going into next year. So that was one thing. The other one was tight end. Because at wide receiver, you have most of your production coming back. And we all know Michigan's primarily a running team, right? They're going to run to open up the pass. We saw the explosive pass game on display um, against Ohio State and then against TCU. They hit a lot of big plays, even though J.J. made a few mistakes. But most of those guys are coming back, besides Ronnie Bell, Cornelius, Roman. Um, those guys are coming back. But at the tight end spot, Eric All is now in Iowa with Cade McNamara, and then Luke Schoonmaker went to the draft. And those are your top two producers at tight end. That leaves a big gap, right, because those guys help in the run game and receiving. And it looked like, again, similar to the defensive line, you're going to have a few bodies to get in there and fill those shoes collectively. So the star 
you know, the guy who is expected to probably lead this group is Colston Loveland. You might recognize his name. He scored two touchdowns last year, one against Ohio State and one against Purdue. So the two, two of the three biggest games of the year, Colston Loveland was a name that was being talked about and someone that J.J. was targeting. And both of them were big pass plays. These were not like goal-to-go situations that it was a dump off to Colson Loveland. These were explosive pass plays. So he looks like a really fluid pass catcher. We'll see what he can do in the run game as well. But he's going to lead this group. Outside of Colston Loveland, they have A.J. Barner, who was a transfer that came in from Indiana. And let me just pause right here because Michigan's transfer recruiting class ranking was not great. But as I'm talking through these names, like I'm talking about the transfers they got at offensive line. I'm talking about the transfers they got at defensive line, edge rusher. I'm now talking about a transfer tight end who's going to be able to come in and fill a role immediately. Something to think about when you're watching your team's transfer ranking. It's not about the ranking. It's about the position. And are they filling a hole? Okay, I digress. But A.J. Barner from Indiana is, is going to be Super key because they a lot of times Michigan did run Eric All and Luke Schoonmaker out there on the field at the same time with two tight end sets. I mean, that's that's Jim Harbaugh's brand of football. Jim Harbaugh's brand of football, he wants to be big, he wants to be tough. He's going to throw two tight ends out there, something you can pass out of, something you can run out of. So the versatility there is huge. Then they had Matthew Hibner who, who had a couple big catches too. He actually got tripped up by the turf monster on a big touchdown. Uh, or should have been, could have been a touchdown run. But so they have a few names there that um, that can fill in the gaps left by Eric All and Luke Schoonmaker. Now the last one that I'll talk about, and you could argue it's the biggest one. Um, I would probably argue it's the biggest one, given what Ohio State has at the wide receiver position, is who's going to start at corner opposite of Will Johnson. So Will Johnson burst onto the scene last year, starting middle of the year, and then really came on by the end of the year. He had two interceptions in the Big Ten Championship game against Purdue. Five-star freshman last year just absolutely exploded onto the scene by the time the year was over. He's going to be one of the best corners in the country going into this year. But on the opposite side, who's that guy, right? They lost that guy to the draft in D.J. Turner. So they've got two names floating around there. One is Amorian Walker, who's a converted wide receiver, which they did that with Mike Sainer still. If you watched any Michigan football game last year, they they always mentioned that Sainer still was a converted wide receiver. It was like if you're watching the Dodgers play baseball, like Clayton Kershaw, they always mentioned you know, that Stafford and Kershaw grew up together and blah, blah, blah. You know those storylines that people just – you know, a better comparison for this particular audience – Whenever you watch Georgia, you you always learned for the first time that Stetson Bennett was a walk-on. I mean, they said it multiple times during every Georgia broadcast. It was so freaking annoying. But the same thing happened last year when Mike Sainer still was a converted wide receiver to DB. So they're trying to do the same thing with Amorian Walker. Now, Sainer still still you know, on the defense in the secondary, but he's more of like a nickel guy. So this is a true lockdown corner that they're looking for. The other name is Jane McBurrows. So between Amorian and Jaden, they're trying to see which of these guys is going to step up and, and fill that role. It's Is it going to be a two-man show, right? Are they going to trade off you know, snaps, or is one guy going to really 
raise his level of play as they get into fall practice? And is, is someone going to separate themselves as the truly elite guy? Because Ohio State, they just can't stop bringing in five-star wide receivers. They can't. If you've been following the recruiting trail, the recruiting trail for Ohio State in the past like couple of days, they they got another five star freaking wide receiver. Now, I'm gonna be honest. As a Michigan fan, does not scare me one bit. They had the best wide receiver in the country last year, and Marvin Harrison Jr. And you know why they lost? It wasn't because Marvin didn't play well. It wasn't because CJ didn't play well. It's because they can't stop the freaking run. We mentioned this on a previous podcast. Ohio State has a recruiting philosophy problem. They they got to get back on track and, and recruit in the trenches, which, again, I digress. But, man, I just had to say that. That felt good. So, in conclusion, for the Michigan spring game, they, uh, they're looking for who's going to answer that question in the secondary, who's going to be the other corner on the other side of Will Johnson. Uh, and a defensive end, edge rusher, and tight end. They look like they have enough guys that maybe – the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And then once you have that, you get those guys in real game action. They've got another cushy beginning of their schedule, those first three games. See who pops. See who goes out there and just looks electric, looks like a difference maker. So they've got enough names that they can go out there those first three games, throw them out there, see who sticks, see who pops, and, uh, and they'll be set. And I got to tell you, there's no reason – for this football team to not be able to repeat what they did last year and then build off of it. I believe most preseason polls have them at number two right now behind Georgia. This team, you know, Blake Corum wouldn't have come back if he didn't believe that they should have won a natty last year and that they could win one again this year. Guys like Zach Zinter on the offensive line, would not have come back if he didn't believe that this team was capable of winning a national championship. I think that's the goal in their mind. That is the goal. And I think anything short of that in that locker room, those guys are going to be disappointed and they might even consider it a failure. Um, last part about Michigan spring game, the defense looked awesome. Now I feel like the defenses typically look better in a spring game. I don't know. I could be wrong. That could just be, you know, throwing something at a wall and seeing what sticks. But the defense looked really, really good. The longer that you have the same defensive coordinator and the scheme, you know, the verbiage stays the same, the better defenses look. And, and it showed in the spring game. There were a couple of turnovers. They actually forced a turnover on J.J., who started the game out kind of rough. Um, but you don't draw big conclusions about your, you know, bona fide starting quarterback in a spring game. You just don't do that. It's just not realistic. Um, but But – all that to say, defense looked really good. This team's going to be great. There's no reason to expect anything less than 11-1 and and a Big Ten championship in a college football playoff berth. That's what fans are expecting. That's what the players are expecting. That's what coaches are expecting. That's what the nation's expecting. And hopefully we see it. All right. The rest of the spring games. So Michigan was on April 1st. The next, uh, the next slate of spring games, April 15th, we had – Indiana, Ohio State, and Penn State. So a triple header, and the the other two of the three-headed mon- three monster in the Big Ten 
are playing. So that'll be a fun one, and especially for Ohio State. You got a QB battle there, so you're going to be able to get your first peek at who might be ahead in that job. And then Penn State, you're getting your first look at Drew Aller. Now I know he had some playing time last year, but but full offseason, knowing you're going to be the guy, that's different. So those will be good. Indiana, it's probably not even worth watching. They're going to be so bad. So bad. Oh, God. There's going to be some really bad teams in the Big Ten next year. But there's also going to be some really great teams. Like, it is not going to be your typical, like, everyone's mediocre kind of Big Ten season. No, Rutgers, Indiana, and Northwestern, and potentially Purdue, and potentially Illinois are going to be garbage. Absolute garbage. And then you've got Michigan, who's going to be elite. Ohio State, who's always elite. Penn State, who could jump Ohio State this year. That's how much talent they have. And then I think Wisconsin is going to be the team that comes out of the West. So if you got, you're going to have four, like you're going to have a three-headed monster and then like a second tier where maybe Wisconsin's in there, maybe a Michigan State. Then you're going to have a, a really big bottom tier too. It's going to be a weird Big Ten next year, not like we're used to seeing. Okay, so that's spring game stuff and a little bit of teaser as to what I expect from some teams next year. Now, let's get into these helmet rankings. I told you already, there were some freaking hot takes by the 24-7 team. I don't know who put this stupid list together. I mean, this is just so dumb. So let me tell you, because there's only, let's see, there's only one Big Ten team. Well, if you count USC and UCLA, there's there's more than that. So let me give you the Big Ten teams that are outside of the top ten. Um, you got UCLA at 25. I think that's too low. I think they should be above an Auburn, who's at 22. I think they should be above an Oklahoma, who's at 19. So you got UCLA at 25, Iowa at 17. That's a pretty good spot for Iowa. That's a really great helmet they have. That Hawkeye logo, oh, chef's kiss, work of art. And black and gold, a, a lot of what makes a jersey and a helmet is the color palette you're working with. And black and gold is just, it's the coolest color palette of them all. And so you got to let the colors pop. Iowa's helmet does that. They get it 17. I would move them up farther. I would move them up above an Oregon or an Arkansas. But 17 to you know 13 range, that's a good spot for Iowa. And then the only other Big Ten team who's not in the top nine, because that's what they kind of separated, is USC at 10. So not really a Big Ten team, but I figured I've got to shout them out. Okay, now we get into the top nine. The elite of the elite college football helmets. I'm sure you've already got some, some schools and some helmets floating through your, through your head. You're seeing visions of these helmets and what you've seen on the field. The players who wear them, the mystique, the nostalgia, the tradition. Oh my gosh, my mouth is watering. I miss college football. But here we go. The top nine college football helmets as graded by the folks at 24-7. Here we go. At number nine, the Florida State Seminoles. Oh, what a great helmet. Classic. Number eight, LSU. No arguments here. Number seven, the Texas Longhorns. 
Okay, okay. It's classic, but kind of boring, so... Nah, whatever. Here's where we're going to have some issues. At number six, Michigan. I'm just going to keep going and read the rest of this, and I'll come back to where my discrepancies lie. At number five, Alabama. At number four, Miami, the U. At number three, Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, those gold helmets. At number two, we have our next Big Ten team. Penn State sits at number two. And at number one, we have another Big Ten team. And they are the Ohio State Buckeyes, who sit atop college football's helmet ranking. 24-7, excuse me. 24-7's college football helmet ranking. I need to specify that 24-7 is the one who made this list because I can't possibly have anyone think that these are my opinions. Because this this is gross. This is disgusting. Okay. Let, let me start off with Michigan at number six. Okay. What do you look for in a great helmet? Okay. You look for color palette. Check, maize and blue. It it just pops, man. It's kind of like black and gold, but like the mellowed down version of it. It's not quite as cool as a black and gold or like a black and silver or red and black. But navy blue is right beneath black as like that great base color. And then the maize just pops, man. Just like a gold pops on the black. Oh, it's freaking awesome. So you've got the color palette going for you. And now you need a helmet that's classic, that's memorable, that's unique, and that makes a statement. What greater statement could be made than the fact that Michigan, of the big name college football programs, right? Because there are other programs with a wing helmet. I believe, I'm going to look this up right now. I believe Princeton is the other school that has a winged helmet. At least in D1. Delaware also has a winged helmet. Um, winged football helmets. I don't want dead air. So I'm just going to just gonna type this in. The winged, uh, bah, bah, bah. Which football team has a wing on their helmet? Oh, it, it, Michigan's the only team that shows up. Even though Princeton also does have it. I'm looking at them right now. Princeton also has a winged helmet. Okay, and there's some high school teams that do it, but of big-name college football programs, Michigan is the only one. So you have a classic program, you have colors that pop, and you have a helmet that makes a statement. Like, there is no – you could take the numbers off the jerseys. You could take the the logos off the jerseys, right? You could take the Big Ten Conference logo, the Jordan logo. You could You could send someone out there – wearing all black and they put that helmet on and you know, yeah, that's Michigan. That's Michigan. You don't need any other context, context clues to tell you whose helmet that is. I know that my opinion may be biased, but Michigan's helmet should be number one and it, and, and it shouldn't be even close. It should not be close. That is the best helmet in college football. No doubt in my mind. And and the biggest issue here is not that they are sitting at number six. It's the schools that were put ahead of them. 
directly ahead of them at number five, Alabama. What? Are you joking? I'm gonna loop, I'm I'm gonna group these these schools that I'm gonna talk about. Okay. So Alabama is at five, Miami's at four, and Penn State is at two. Those are those are my biggest arguments, right? If Michigan was at three behind Notre Dame and Ohio State, I could say, okay, whatever. I disagree, but like top three, I'll take it. Alabama's helmet is a red helmet with a white white stripe down the middle and the player's number on the side. What's what's so special about that? What is so special about that? And and to make matters worse, Penn State's helmet's even worse than that. It's a white helmet with a blue stripe down the center. They do not get points for being boring. That's not what makes a great helmet. You can't tell me right now that if there like if there was a new college football blue blood that just popped onto the scene, right? Or if the NFL decided to expand and bring in another team, you can't tell me that anyone would be happy with a helmet that looks like Alabama's or Penn State's. They are some of the most boring, plain helmets in the entire country. And they get put at number two and number five. Why? Because they're because they're historic powers. Now, Michigan is also a historic power, so I don't know why they don't get points for that. But the only reason Penn State and Bama are up there is because they've won national championships and they're a college football blue blood. That's it. That's it. If you were to be objective and show either of those helmets to a high schooler and not tell them the college football program, they'd be like, it's fine. It's at least Alabama's is even a color. Penn State's is white with a blue stripe. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? You're not grading the helmet. You're you're grading what you've seen the players in the helmet do, which automatically discredits this entire list. Miami's at four. Miami's got the same situation going on. White helmet, simple strike down the middle, and then the U logo, which this may be a hot take. I don't care. I think the U logo for Miami is like one of the most overrated logos in, in sports. I think it's I think it's dull. I think it's fine. I think it's whatever. I don't think there's anything special about it. So the fact that those three schools are sitting above Michigan is just it's just plain stupid. Now, Notre Dame at three, Notre Dame is a great college football helmet. And I can't tell you how much that tastes like vinegar coming out of my, out of my mouth. I can't stand Notre Dame football. I can't stand them. But the one thing you can't argue with is that those are some of the best helmets in all of sports. All of sports. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Alex, you just argued that that Penn State's, you know, white helmets with one stripe and Alabama's red helmet with one stripe are boring. Notre Dame's even more boring than that. That's only one color. There's not even a stripe. There's not even a number. Who else has gold helmets? And not like gold, like a, like an Iowa Hawkeye gold or a Pittsburgh Steeler gold, like a gold like Notre Dame's. See, that's the thing about these helmets. A Notre Dame and a Michigan, those are some of the most unique innovative make a statement helmets you've ever seen and you'll ever see in any sport it's a metallic shiny gold like it it looks like treasure it looks like treasure 
You watch those players walk out on the football field and the light hits them just right. I mean, those helmets pop, man. You don't see anything else like them. And so for Notre Dame to also be sitting behind Penn State is ridiculous. Penn State and Alabama shouldn't even be in the top 10. Neither should Miami. This list is just a travesty. So now we get to Ohio State at number one. And this argument comes down to what your stance is on this issue. Do the stickers count towards grading a helmet? Because Ohio State, those Buckeye leaves on there, that's not innately part of the helmet design. Ohio State's helmet, without the stickers, is gray with their classic Ohio State stripe down the middle, which is a cool stripe. I have to admit, it's a cool stripe. But without those stickers, that helmet loses a lot of its luster. And depending on the kind of player you are, depends on how many stickers you get. So if you just happen to not be a playmaker, maybe you're you know a walk-on or whatever, and you know, whatever the case may be, and you're not getting a whole lot of stickers, I think your helmet doesn't look as good. And so because the stickers are not innately a part of the helmet design, I don't think they count. I don't think it counts. Now, with the stickers on it, it's an awesome helmet. Same same argument I would make for Notre Dame and Michigan. It's extremely unique, makes a statement, pops on the field. Like, you don't have another team who's solely identified. I shouldn't say solely identified, but but one of their primary markers is their helmet sticker. Their primary identifiers is a helmet sticker. You don't see that ever. So is that something that you, Ohio State has going for it? Me personally, they're still just stickers. They're not a part of the helmet design. So I don't think it counts. I don't think it should count. So I don't have my own list that I've made of ranking college football helmets. Maybe I should put one together and post it on the gram or something. I don't know. But if I'm if I'm looking at this right here and I'm rearranging this list, I think here's a rough idea of what my top five would be. Uh, Ohio State would be out because I don't count stickers. Penn State would be out. Alabama would be out. And Miami would be out. So literally four of 24-7's top five college football helmets don't make my top five. That's how off I think they are. Excuse me while I stretch a little bit to plug in my laptop. There we go. So my top five. Number one would be Michigan. And I don't think you have a leg to stand on if you're arguing otherwise. Actually, I take that back. If Notre Dame is the team that you think should be number one, while I disagree, and while it's a disgusting opinion to have, and you're probably a disgusting human being for having it, I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. We allow people to do disgusting, gross things all the time. So I'll let it slide. So, my, but my personal top five, I don't really care about you right now. This is just my rankings. I'm putting Michigan at one. I'm putting Notre Dame at two. I am putting Florida State at number three. The fact of the fact that Florida State is at nine. Come on. Come on. Are, are you kidding me? 
That's just ridiculous. Get out of here. Another great color palette and a great logo. At number four, I'm going to go LSU. That old school Tiger logo on the side of that helmet is dope. And while it's like as old school as the Tiger drawing can get, the fact that they haven't changed it is pretty freaking awesome. And again, great colors. So LSU would be at four for me. And at number five, you start thinking about a Texas. You start thinking about a USC, an Oregon, a Florida. I'm looking at the other teams on here. And NC State, NC State has a great helmet. Clemson, UCLA. And I think the team I would go with at five would be Florida. I think Florida would be my five. I love the script Gator. Orange and blue looks great. So there you have it. My top five looks a heck of a lot different. So 24-7's top five is number one, Ohio State, two, Penn State, three, Notre Dame, four, Miami, five, Alabama. My top five helmets would be number one, Michigan, number two, Notre Dame, number three, Florida State, number four, LSU, and number five, the Florida Gators. And I'm not going to lie. I think my top five is a lot better than theirs. I might put a poll on Instagram or Twitter and see who's, uh, whose list you like better. And if it's not mine, I just, I don't know if I can trust you or be friends with you at all. Unless you give us a rating and subscribe to the pod and, you know, follow us on socials, all that stuff, then that, uh, that undoes a lot of evils for me. So, all right, we've gotten through the topics. Uh, that's all I've got for you tonight. Thank you for listening to, I keep saying tonight too. I don't know if I said that at another point in the pod, but tonight where I am is 1041, but I'm humming off here. I got some Ted Lasso to watch with the wifey. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff, wherever you're listening, Apple, uh, Spotify, follow us on the socials, Instagram and Twitter at big show pod. Um, and we'll, we'll our next episode. Wow. <laughs> I tripped over that one. Next episode will be after the next batch of spring games. So after Ohio State, Penn State, and Indiana play theirs on April 15th. So we will see you then. Peace.